No amount of rain could dampen another week for Toronto FC as they picked up a big victory in the Canadian Championship and a pair of clean sheets. We'll chat the first ever 416 slash Dufferin slash Downsview slash Toronto Derby this week on Waking the Red <laughs> Weekly presented by Footy Talks. We'll also discuss just the latest Italian to be linked to Toronto FC. And with all that Italy talk, it's only natural that we bring back one of our favorite guests, John Molinaro of TSU Republic. We'll join the show in 15 minutes or less to chat a number of topics. But first, my name is Mitchell Tierney. I'm joined, as always, by Michael Singh and Jeffrey Pinesker, which means there's more people on the show today than there were at BMO Field on Wednesday night. <laughs> oh, no, man. Right before this, you told us you didn't practice that intro, but I got to tell you, buddy, you, you nailed it. Execution, silk, man. delivery, Yeah, I got everything. goosebumps. Yep, yep, absolutely. <laughs> uh, uh, love the shirt. Love the, love the new Thank purchase. You. It's beautiful. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> Thank you. It's a big I mean, week. It's a big yeah, week for the Toronto is. Blue Jays. I had it is to. a big week, Absolutely. and I know our guest John Molinero is such a big baseball fan. So I maybe the biggest, to, maybe the biggest in maybe, the city. Just maybe the loves, biggest base. We'll ask him just, about it. We'll ask him yeah, how he we thinks the Jays are doing. We absolutely should. I think it will work out wonderful for everyone and everyone <laughs> to everyone wonderment. Uh, there were, I mean, yeah, the, the the shot, the shot against the the legends that. Uh, Hey, there you go. Legit told you to take Dufferin Street home, but but you know, Google Google isn't the best <laughs> harbinger of of directions. If you've ever been in a city you don't know very well and uh, use Google Maps, uh, sometimes it's going to be a horrific. Oh yeah, thanks, Graham. Episode uh, episode sixty two. Love it. Love to see yeah. it. What's going on, everybody? If you guys have any comments, questions in the chat for either, either us or John Molinero. Um, Definitely not Mitch because he's adjusting his fortress yeah, of, uh, yeah, of Mitch. Yeah, too, don't so. worry about Mitch. My Ethernet cable. We're just keeping Uh-oh. the internet here. That, that could have uh, been a massive uh, issue. Uh, <laughs> but we're good uh, now. <laughs> Can't post comments to some destinations. I've never seen that error message before. StreamYard, what the hey now? Uh, <laughs> well, that I mean, that transitions us <laughs> to <greatly laughs> what I did want to talk about next, which is just that. We, we did want to acknowledge there'll be a few changes on the show um, starting here this week. Nothing major in terms of the, the interruption of, of the show you've come to expect, but um, our partners over at Homestand Sports have moved over to a new site called The Parlay, and this transition has meant that a lot of responsibilities for them in terms of pumping out all that good content that you've come to expect from The Parlay. So that also means we've lost a few members, which means you're going to see a far more jittery Jeff for a couple of weeks as he uh, tries to figure out how to produce this show as well as be a, be a guest, be, be, a, be a host on it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, so that, that'll be part of it, but we did, uh, we'd be remiss if we didn't say a serious thank you to producer Sophia, who is a massive part of, you know, making the show into to what it is today um, through organization and patience with us and, and everything else. And also uh, Edwin who wrote all the show recaps and the descriptions you can definitely, uh, you know, expect to see, as we said, much of the same from us moving forward. But uh, the show wouldn't be what it is today without those two. So serious thank you to to both of them. Um, and yeah, yeah, we are, yeah, we're just grateful for for their contribution. Yeah, definitely. If you guys, I'm sure a lot of you have read Edwin's great articles. Not even just recap, just like essentially narratives like based on the show on the Wake and the Red uh, website. It's just absolutely fantastic. That's and obviously, true, yeah, we're gonna absolutely. miss. Edwin and Sophia's contributions to the show, but onwards and upwards, gentlemen. We we move, we move, we move. Yeah, we exactly. move right along into our uh, our guest for this week. Seems like John Molinaro is here, so we'll we'll bring him on. Hey, John, hey, how's it going? 
Hey guys, how are you? Good. We're good. We're good. Oh, doing well. Now joined yeah. by John uh, Molinaro, TFC Republic. Pretty before before we uh before we you join the show, John, we were just talking about how big of a baseball fan you are, and you know, I, I told them that we wore this just for you to, to you know, spice it up. Big week for the Jays, eh, John? I know you'll be in attendance, right? I like you tell me, like, are they like what's going on with them? Are they like in playoff contention? Like, I honestly don't know. They play baseball. <laughs> they play a sport called baseball, which is a I, pitcher I appreciate that much. and no, a batter. What? Okay. But uh, I think are they, like are they in the playoff mix? Is that... There's six games left. They're one game out of a playoff spot, and they're facing the team that's essentially right in front of them in the New York Yankees at the Rogers Center this week as capacity expands to thirty thousand. Oh, so wow. it should be a, a pretty exciting week for any Jays fans out there. But I we didn't bring John on to talk baseball, guys. I, we sure <laughs> did. Spoiler we alert. Sure did, yeah. <laughs> Spoiler alert. Yeah. Yep. John yeah. Andy, give us the. John said he'd give us about 20 minutes, but after that, I was expecting a 20-second <laughs> little in and out after Michael opened it. Gotta go! Like that, but. <laughs> um, well, yeah, mm. let's, start with the, let's start with Wednesday, um, this past Wednesday. And, you know, given how the season has gone for Toronto FC, uh, obviously, certainly not to expectation in the league season, how important was it to, to grab that win against York United and, you know, get that Canadian championship run off to, to a good start? Well, very important, Mitch. I mean, obviously, like you said, the season hasn't gone at all like they had envisioned. So, I mean, you know, it's it's kind of sobering to say, but this is all that they have left is the Canadian Championship because, you know, it's, it's a trophy they haven't won in whatever it is, three years now. Plus, it's a gateway into the Champions League. So that's that still remains a vital, you know, important priority for the club. And, you know, I think it was important not just to win on last Wednesday, but to, like, do so in a convincing fashion because – I mean, with all due respect to York United, uh, you know, they're clearly not up to the standard of, you know, uh, of an MLS side. So, you know, it it wouldn't have been enough for TFC just to squeak, you know, squeak by like a one nothing win. I think they had to really lay a bit of a marker down and win so comprehensively. And, you know, as much as, you know, Jim Brennan said afterwards that the score didn't really reflect, um, you know, the sort of level of play and the balance of play. I mean, I think he's right in the sense that it should have been worse. It should have been five or six months. Thank you. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so I think it was, you know, really important to sort of like, as I said, not just win, but win so convincingly. And, uh, you know, we'll see how they can carry that on into, you know, the next round against Pacific FC. Yeah, let me follow that up, John, because we're. it feels like we're in free fall. I mean, we were very, very, very afraid as a fandom uh, going into that York United game. And the result maybe sort of uh, 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 puts in sharp relief just how rudderless we are as a, as a fandom right now. Um, so I want to compare because you were there and I seem to do this at, with you every, every time you're on this season, I want to compare 2021 to 2012. Uh, yeah. And do you think we'll beat our worst point total? Do you think we'll do less than 23 points at the outset of this season? Uh, that's my first question. It's a tough one, Jeff. I mean, you know, I think when you look at sort of the past four games, not so much the results, but the performances, I think there's a, it offers a little glimmer of hope that they're starting to get things right and that perhaps, you know, they can sort of put, uh, you know, a string of positive results and, you know, future performances together. So I'll take the over on that. I, I'll say that. Okay. Really good, but 
I mean, they're not, they're certainly not going to smash it by any, by any sort of means. I mean, if they do sort of, you know, sort of get more points than they did in 2012, then it'll be just by, you know, a few. By blind luck. Yeah. I mean, I, I saw the title of your article on TFC Republic and it gave me hives because I, in 2018, I had to write variations of that same sentence over and over again every week. You know, are we back? What's going on with TFC? It would just, it became <laughs> word salad. Um, what do you think? And also, uh, I'm going to plug the Aaron Venter video diary because it couldn't have oh, hit cool. at a better week. Uh, yeah. Everybody go and subscribe to TFC Republic and watch John uh, Wax about uh, Aaron Venter for, uh, for a couple minutes. Uh, you, you can't go wrong. Um, John, wh- what do you think were the factors contributing to this woeful season? Do you think it's, it's, it's COVID plus bad luck? Or do you think that COVID is secondary to this and this was in the mail and COVID just exacerbated it? I think it's the latter. I think the COVID just sort of exasperated. I mean, you know, you have to go back to, you know, January in the preseason when with the hiring of Chris Armas. I mean, that was I mean, it's easy to say now looking at, you know, looking back on it in hindsight, but it was, you know, the worst possible move, Um, you know, and and say that with all due respect to Chris, because I think he's a nice enough guy, but Mm -hmm. um, he seemed to. You know, I, I just don't think he was a right fit for the team. I think, you know, what he wanted to do, you know, tactically remake this this side was, you know, a ridiculous decision. And, you know, the fact that he was indulged by, you know, um, Ali Curtis in this sort of enterprise about mm-hmm. wanting to take the team away from what it was under Greg Vanny to playing this more sort of pressing style was just, a, you know, a massive mistake, especially yeah. when especially when he didn't have the players to do it. I mean, it's one thing if he goes into sort of the interview process when he's sort of a candidate for the job and it says to Ali Curtis, look, this is what I want to do. What do you think? Okay. And then Ali, you know, to a certain extent goes out and gets some of the players that can sort of like play that style, but that wasn't done. I mean, mm-hmm. they made a conscious decision to stick with the roster that they had, even with this new coach, because they didn't want to have too much of uh, they wanted to have some sort of continuity. Um, so it was really a recipe for disaster right from the beginning. And, you know, you really have to question, A, their decision to bring in Chris Armas, because, again, I think it was just a very mediocre, uninspired hire. You know, I appreciate that he had previous, um, you know, connection with Ali Curtis, but it just seemed like, you know, that wasn't enough a qualification for him to get the job or it shouldn't have been. And then to, to, to you know, sort of tactically remake the team just seems so needless. I mean, especially when you look at, you know, the success it had under Greg Vanny. I appreciate that new coach wants to come in and he wants to put his imprint on the team. To of certain, course. You know, that that's understandable. But to the extent that he did it, I mean, it was just, you know, I was really dumbfounded right from the beginning. I mean, you know, yeah, you're, you're, you're dancing around a word that I, I don't like to say, but it, it's so mawkish and amateurish, right? Like these are yeah. executives in a professional sports environment. How did we see this? And they didn't, you know? And and if it, it, all signs point to confusion, right? Like it really, really does. I I've made my peace with the with the Curtis hire because I don't think we were getting Laurent Blanc and I don't think we were getting Patrick Vieira. And I think their back was against the wall. And you know, then you start asking your friends if they're free this weekend, right? You know, you, you're so so. I don't I don't fault that in any in the slightest. I fault I fault him when he arrived not adapting in any way shape and form i think that that cooked his goose and that and he and he has to he has to own that um but yeah i i I appreciate that this sort of dance that we're that we're doing but but at the end of the day is it naivete was were they too big for their britches or was everything just so completely 
uh, uh, wrong ended, you know, playing out of Orlando that they couldn't see the forest for the trees. And, and I, I think I'm, I'm the best. I think the third option is the one that I choose because it, 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 it allows for the chaos without painting everybody as, as did, re- did yeah. anyone keep up with Jeff's analogies there? Or was it just me that just got lost? There? <laughs> All right, someone ask a question. I'm done here. Forest among yeah. the trees, definitely. <laughs> Come on. Um, yeah. Come before on. I get into my question, I think Matthew poses a really good question here in the chat. So he does. Bring this up he does. Quickly. So Matthew's asking: If we finish the the season on a run, is it going to reduce the depth of change this off season? Great question. John, we'll throw that to you. What, what do you believe? Um. I, I really don't think so, Michael. I mean, I think there is sort of major changes that have to be sort of undertaken at this club, regardless of what goes on the rest of the season. I mean, I think that they have to, I mean, first and foremost, that team has to make take a serious look at, at itself at the back line and sort of, you know, if not overhaul the defense, then certainly bring in, you know, one or two new recruits. I mean, Omar Gonzalez is in the last year of his deal and he has an option year next year. Um, so, I mean, that's certainly something that you have to sort of look at. And, I mean, I think, I mean, I, I don't think I'm speaking out of turn when I say Omar Gonzalez has kind of really fallen off this season compared to a cliff. Yeah. Campaign. Yeah. No, if, so, that's, I mean, if that's a team option, that's a quick decline, John. <laughs> I, I, absolutely. I mean, I would be stunned if they pick up that sort of option. Uh, but that said, they still have to go out and bring in, you know, I would say mm-hmm. it's just one or two other recruits to really solidify the back line. Mm-hmm. You have to figure out what you're doing with Josie Altador because, um, you know, I think the question is going to emerge as to whether, you know, the team buys him out to get that salary hit off the off the roster. And if you want to do that, that's fine. But then you have to go out and replace him. So I think for me, those are the sort of the two big things. But, yeah, I mean, I, I, they could go A to no the rest of the way uh, for the regular season. But I, I really think that the, there has to be, you know, a lot of – change this offseason there has to be serious questions as to asked about you know how they're going to get guys like noble akello and jaquil marshall ruddy you know more into the lineup next year because i think that's kind of been one of the few things that well many things i think people are disappointed about is that you know you would expect to see more reliance on the youngsters during this final stretch of games and i mean okay okello played against colorado and i thought he did really well but Marshall Rudy, I mean, for, for reasons I, I can't quite understand, has been rotting away on the bench, I mean, for yep. most of the season. And it just strikes me as odd that he, you know, especially now, wouldn't be given more of a run out. So I think, um, you know, they have to figure out a way to get those guys more involved next year. Yep. Yeah, that's that's certainly one of the things we were hoping to see down the stretch, of course, is, is some guys come in and and kind of play for their job next season. And like you've said, it's, it's been a little disappointing to not see some of those younger guys, but one guy who certainly made a good case for himself of late is Jacob Schaffelberg. Um, you know, what's kind of changed in his game that's allowed him to, to have the level of recent success. Cause you know, he was pretty dominant against York. He scored, I mean, he had that goal taken away from what him, but he's, he's basically scored in, in two straight MLS games as well before this one. So what's it been about Schaffelberg that you think is, has made this transition to where he's finally, you know, getting that end product to his game? Well, I think two things, Mitch. I think one, the fact that, you know, I, I think Javier just honestly rates him and really has kind of shown a lot of faith and belief in him by sort of throwing him out there you know, much more so than, you know, Chris Armas. But in an odd way, and in this, you know, the second point, I think he's almost sort of um, flourished, you know, especially with Pozuelo not there in the sense hmm. that 
he's become more of a reference point in the attack and someone who, you know, I mean, I don't know what you guys think about it, but I think over the last stretch of games, he's been TFC's most dynamic and dangerous sort of attacker going forward. Absolutely. Really fearless in taking defenders on. And it seems like teammates are more and more looking for him, right? Trying to get him the ball because they know that he can make things happen. And I'm not sure that that necessarily happens as much or to the extent that has happened with Pozuelo was there. Um, you know, and that's, you know, Pozuelo is Pozuelo. Once he comes back, he's going to be sort of a major factor. So I'm not suggesting, well, just bench Pozuelo when he comes back. Uh, but I do think, you know, oddly enough that Jacob has sort of, um, you know, benefited from Pozuelo not being there. And I'm really sort of anxious, not anxious, but interested to see how he does once the Spaniard does come back. And, you know, are, are they able to link up, uh, you know, effectively? I suspect that they will be. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Mike? And I think another factor in that, John, is obviously Jefferson Soteldo, because he usually occupies the, the left wing where Jacob Schaffelberg typically enjoys playing. And with Pozuel in the lineup, then it, it becomes tougher to, I guess, get him into the lineup where he, he is most right. effective. But that being said, let me ask you a little bit about, about Jefferson Soteldo. And just, you know, we got about a 20 game sample size so far. Um, unfortunately, he's been unable to play, I guess, with uh, the other two designated players in this TFC roster for the most part. But what, what's your overall impression, I guess, of, of Jefferson in his first year at Toronto FC? Uh, you know, I'd give him a passing grade. I wouldn't necessarily say he's quite lived up to the DP sort of label. Um, you know, I think we've certainly seen sort of flashes of brilliance. Um, you know, when you look at sort of his cre- creative playmaking ability and just the way he can sort of you know, create something out of nothing. Um, he's, I think, been, you know, one of TFC's most dangerous creators. And I think he leads the team in assists. So I think from that, it's been it's been a great acquisition. Uh, but, you know, his goal production hasn't been quite what I think a lot of TFC, TFC fans would have expected. I think he has a, t- a tendency to hang onto the ball a little too long instead of looking for, for players in more dangerous, um, uh, you know, positions. But overall, I mean, I think he's, you know, been a, a, a good addition to, to TFC. I don't think he's quite lived up to all the hype when he first signed. You know, if, if, if you're looking at it, I mean, I would say just based on money, it's been, you know, probably a good TAM signing, but not necessarily a good uh, DP signing. But it's still early, right? I mean, it's, it's one season. And, and with all sort of the chaos in the club, you know, with starting in Orlando, all the injuries, not playing with uh, – much with with uh, Pozuelo and Altidore, you have to take those sort of factors into consideration. So I'll be really interested, you know, how he does and you know, you know, what progress he can make next season when you know, presumably the the team is in a much uh, stronger position. So we got a we got a follow up from Matthew, uh, another over under question, and that is uh, over under <laughs> that Curtis survives the off season. Uh, I think he survives. I think. Um, you know, he just signed a new deal. What was it last year? I think this mm-hmm. off season. Mm-hmm. This off season, yeah. Right yeah. So I think you know, if if nothing else, I mean, I don't think TFC wants to walk away from that. I think there's going to be some sort of issue of wanting to maintain continuity, and I think it's the same reason why you know I expect Javier Perez to be back in the job next year. I mean, that was my question. Lose, yeah, mm-hmm. I, I think they could lose the next eight games, and I don't necessarily think um, they're going to sort of make a change unless you know. You know, Bob Bradley becomes available, then you know if, that, if that's yeah. the case, then, then splash the cash and make it happen. But I suspect he's going to stay in LA. But I, I just think they 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 like what they see in Javier. 
I think the players, he's earned the respect of the locker room and the players really respond to him. Um, you know, I think they, he's made a good sort of, um, uh, some good changes to the team. I think they just, his managerial style is well-respected. He's a very thoughtful guy. Oh, yeah. I mean, Michael, you, you know, you've talked to him as, as much as I have, or if, you know, and I think we can both agree he's a pretty cerebral, very, uh, you know, student of the game. And I think yeah. you know, that's kind of what TFC needs. He kind of reminds me of Greg Vanny in that sense. Hmm. And I suspect that he's going to survive. And, but, yeah, to get back to the question, I do think Curtis has survived, if for no other reason that, you know, I don't think they want to make another major upheaval this offseason, especially with, you know, if all the roster changes we're going to expect to happen, I think they're going to focus their attention on that and not so much on the GM. Do you do you not see the potential for TFC land to explode in hubris if, if Curtis and, and, and Javi are around next season? I mean – I, I don't dispute your points, John, in any way, shape, and form, but I but this is a, a business that, that needs the fans to survive, and I think everybody is screaming for some kind of change at the front office. Um I I I I worry, I worry that that we're we're emboldening the pitchfork mob if we don't uh uh, uh sacrifice one of those one of those guys at the at the altar of of, of public opinion. But uh you know <laughs> All, all your points are, are fine. I just, I, I see, you know, we, yeah. I live on the internet because I, I mean, can't go outside anymore. So what, mm. what I would say, Jeff, is like if, if one of the two were to go, I suspect it would be Perez just because I, I think making a coaching change is a lot easier than making a GM change. And I think, again, I don't think they would want to sort of part ways with Curtis just after re-signing him in the offseason. Now, that said, mm -hmm. I do think you know, Ali would be on a very short leash next year. I mean, that would be it. I mean, I think, yeah. you know, if we're talking about another playoff list year or another season that like resembled anything close to this year, yeah. then, then I think you would have to get the Evo. And I take your point about, you know, fans being restless and clamoring for change. But I would also remind like fans and believe me, I don't want to sound holier than that. I don't want to sound. Like no, 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 please. It needs to be said because I know where you're going with this. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I can remember after the 2014 season, people were, you know, not too impressed with Tim Bezbachenko's, you know, you know, kind of first full season in 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 charge. Um, I would suggest, I would humbly suggest that that kind of, you know, that kind of worked out in the end. Yeah. Um, you know, he kind of was a major factor in turning the franchise around. So, you know, sometimes a little patience is required. And it's certainly that would certainly that that was the case with Tim. It was certainly the case with Greg. And they worked out fine both in both instances. So I, I'd like to see, you know, I, I appreciate that people are clamoring for for Ali Curtis's blood, but let's give it a let's give it a little bit more time. Again, but that being said, I think next year is going to be a pivotal year for him. Oh yeah, absolutely. So you're okay with with Javi staying despite the fact that Andrea Pirlo from from your from your Juve might might be coming <laughs> to you. I knew someone had to bring this. Can I tell you, it would be the mm -hmm. worst possible move. For Thank him. you. I agree. Uh, Absolutely know, terrible. Obviously, as a Juventus fan and an Italian national team fan, a huge Pirlo sort of you know supporter. I think he was a you know world class cultured footballer, but you know should never have been hired by Juventus in the first place. I mean, he was going to be under twenty three coach, and then they fire Maurizio Sarri, and they just said, oh, okay, well we'll pop in Pirlo, and it was far too soon for him. I mean, if anything, he should have did what. Uh, Pep Guardiola did was mm -hmm. kind of start at Barcelona B before waking him or working his way to the senior team. And I think that was Pirlo's mistake. So, yeah, I mean, if, if TFC wants to go that route, I mean, 
God bless them. I think it would be a huge mistake, though. <laughs> Amazing. Fair enough. Yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad we got your take on that because I feel like we needed. A, I don't. I don't even know where that rumor came from, but I've just seen it popping. The Seba rumor. It, it led Seba. Seba led to Pirlo, and then eventually uh, the entire Italian national team is going to come to TFC. So. <laughs> yeah. I mean, <laughs> wouldn't mind that, but yeah. Um, yeah, before we let you go, John, um, you know, what, uh, what's coming up at TFC Republic? What can we expect, uh, over the next little bit? Uh, well, obviously a busy week because there's two home games. So I'll, I'll be all over that. Got a feature on Friday about, um, you know, kind of like things to look for at the end of the season. So talking about whether nice. it's worth TFC thinking about shutting down Pozuelo for the rest of the year. I mean, you know, he suffered the injury setback uh, last week and there's talk about him you know, possibly coming back before the end of the year. But I wonder if they just sort of write it off and just say, look, let's just sort of shelve you for the rest of the year, let you rest and recuperate and bring you back stronger back, you know, for, for mm-hmm. I think wouldn't it be the worst thing in the world? So I'll be looking at kind of like those kind of storylines. And then next week, obviously, with the Canadian men's team, uh, you know, be setting those up, going to be talking to uh, Craig Forrest about his time uh, nice. know, playing at Tekka for the national team. Mm-hmm. And trying to speak to Jordan Hamilton. Um, you know, the former TFC forward uh, recently parted ways within the 11 in the USL. Mm-hmm. So trying to sort of catch up with him. We've been missing each other the last couple of days, but uh, just wanted to see what's going on with him and where his future lies and whether he'll, yeah. you know, whether Have you heard bad. the rumors that there's European interest for, for Jay Hams and that's no, why he, no, I yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I read it on the Twitter, on the Twitter uh, app. I remember <laughs> okay. it Twitter. might be a completely unformed, uh, <laughs> unformed opinion, but but it's an opinion, and uh, I thought it was an interesting one. Because I mean, people, he'd be hmm? he'd be a player who I think would be a great fit for for you know any team in the CPL. I think I agree. But you know whether he wants to take that sort of pay cut and you know play in in that league is another matter entirely. True. Um, so I mean, you know, it's one of the things I ho- I hope to bring uh, up with him. You know. Yeah, should I finally get a hold of him? Uh, I'll be I'll be looking out for that, John, because I had an interesting chat with him before I guess his season started. He was to say he was motivated would be a very big understatement. I know he has some thoughts about Toronto FC as well, um, which you know might be a good you know segue into something for your article. So just keep that in mind when chatting with him. I'm looking forward to that. Well, in Columbus too. Like I know he was. I know he's kind of spoken publicly about. You know, he never thought he got like a fair shot there at all. Yeah, yeah. Surprising because you know the connection with Tim. You would have thought you know they would have given him some sort of look. But um, you know, fair play to him. I thought he did well when he went down to Indy, and and you know, you know, all things considered, played well. Um, I'm just really sort of interested in to see what what's in his his future and what lies ahead because I do think there is there is a place for him somewhere. Whether somewhere, yeah. MLS or you know USL or wherever. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah. Thanks so much for joining us, John. It's been great as always. No problem. Cheers, John. Pardon? Absolutely. We'll see you soon, man. Uh, Enjoy the press conference in like two minutes. (laughs) (laughs) Cheers. Cheers. We'll definitely get some some more updates on Toronto FC from that, um, including, I mean, that you know bit of a bomb that he dropped that we might not see Alejandro Pozuelo again this season. I feel like that's. uh, That's a bit of a takeaway, considering that's you know something that. What What do you think, boys? Do you Do you think that that's a smart play? I mean, we want him for the can champ, but but yeah, if it's between you know him re-injuring himself uh, versus uh, the last eight games we have to play, I say bench him. You know, let's uh, 
give Schaffelberg a, a chance at the number 10. <laughs> yeah. The issue is that is Jeff is that like, there's so much information we're missing there that I don't even mm. know what the exact injury is on Pozuelo. Mm. Like there's so much information that it's just speculation and it's tough to make a, a real decision without knowing all the, all the facts there in terms of, you know, his, his condition, like how, how big of a setback was it? Cause he was, he was ramping up, he was training again, but you know, he had that setback. So, I mean, again, obviously if, if, if it's risk reward, you obviously, you know, you're, you're not siding on the side of risk there. Um, and you're going to, you know, obviously be cautious with Pozuelo with nothing really left to play now in Toronto FC season. But if it's not much risk, then yeah, absolutely. You trot him back out because, you know, this, this is still a team that I think has motivations of at least winning out like the rest of the season. Like they want to, they don't want to finish the season the way that they've been playing for mm-hmm. the majority of the season. And You're I think right. they really made that, that statement the last couple of games. Um, and also I feel bad for, for Soteldo who's been having to kind of trot around and play link up up top with someone like, you know, Patrick Mullins, who by the uh, way has one, sh- one shot on target this season, Jeff, one shot on target. Yeah. That's not ideal. Nobody's That's perfect, boy, Jeff. Nobody's perfect, <laughs> and you know, also Dom Dwyer too. Again, no MLS mm-hmm, yeah. goals still combined between the two players. Mm-hmm. And it's if not that's ideal. Like, and you have so essentially, I feel I feel bad for for Sotelda who is brought in here and and really advertised about you know the the, the <laughs> playing with someone like a Josie Altador or playing with someone like an Iowa Canola, playing with someone like a Pazuelo, or even like you know a Michael Bradley. But does that give him license to sit and sulk for case. six months? I mean, I I don't I disagree with that. Uh, 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 what do I, I like just- about Mullins? Everything I like everything about Mullins. He's amazing <laughs> and he scores goals on FIFA. Like like water. It's okay, ridiculous. I'm glad you said FIFA. I'm FIFA. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, sorry, I didn't mean yeah. to interrupt. No, no, no. I was just I was just saying like it's that's why I would kind of bring Pozuelo back into the fold because I think those guys also need chemistry together too. Um, In real so, game experience, again, that's a very good point. Very very. We'll good see. Point. We'll mm-hmm. see. Yeah, we'll we'll see. We'll see what's what's uh what's going well, on Dan, there, and hopefully Danny, we get a better Danny's update. Saying, Danny's given us a bit of a scroller and it's uh pause is 30 going into a contract year. I'd imagine his reps would want him to sit and TFC would want him to play for can't chant and to see if re-signing him as a DP this off season is even of interest. That's a, uh, that's a Danny. Loaded... He's, not, he's not in a contract year this year. Um, he has at least one more year on his, on his contract after this one. Mm. So next season would be, I guess his, his contract year. And well, that's what he's saying. He's going into a contract year. Yeah. Yeah. Season. Oh, so next season. Yeah, yeah okay. next season is is a contract. Like he could negotiate yeah, think, as for a pre-contract. I think a lot of that. I think a lot of that decision. Then, if we're going to get into that that chatter right now, that depends on Pozuelo next season. Because you know, I think KJ asked me this question when I was on his show not too long ago, and it's that should Toronto FC re-sign Alejandro Pozuelo as a designated player? And my answer to that was, well, as Danny's pointing out, he's thirty years old. And we know what happened last time Toronto FC signed someone who was 30 plus to a bit of an, a contract a extension as a designated yeah. player, mm-hmm. right? So if he's healthy and can stay on the field, absolutely. But if if it's another one of these types of seasons where he, he's struggling again, then how could you really warrant playing a designated player that kind of price when he can't stay healthy? So I, again, I think a lot of that comes down to next, you know, how he performs next season. But hmm. yeah. You know, we'll see if we'll see if there's interest. 
there's a worry here because you know it seems like by by virtue of reaction the pendulum is swung from one extreme to the other right we are at one point the team that was giving plum contracts to everybody on the wrong side of 30 because and now we've been bit by that so it's it's almost creating a, a reactionary brutalism and it may cost pause another contract which you know I'm not sure what the right answer is. It's just a trend that I've noticed. You know what I mean? Are we mm -hmm. going to be a team now that that uh, you know the second the second the clock strikes on on your thirtieth year on this earth, you, you know you turn into a pumpkin and you have to clean out your locker? Um, uh, I don't know. I don't know. I, I I think that's a very good point, Mike. But my worry is when can other teams start approaching a player to sign a pre contract on a free transfer? It's six months left on his deal. Yeah. Yeah, okay. So they have so they, they, have they cannot touch him for the first six months of next season, right? You can't, can't make okay. I got you. You I mean they <laughs> well, no? I'm just saying. No, I'm saying Juve because it, of of Seba, right? Like that's how yeah, we got Seba. Sure. So yeah. So that's the example that that's that sort of stuck in okay. my cream. Okay. Yeah, you definitely saved that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of Juve, gentlemen. Yes, Ooh, I like it. Let's talk about Andrea Pirlo. And yeah. Why? John clearly shut down, shut it down very quickly. Mm -hmm. What are your guys' thoughts on on Pirlo potentially coming to Toronto FC as TFC's next manager? No, please no, please God no. And we're, and what's the reasoning there, Jeff? He doesn't know how to manage yet. I uh, this team can't be <laughs> this team can't be flight school for for potential managers, and he and he wouldn't want to be here. I mean, this would be a step for him to to recapture some kind of credibility and then the second somebody comes co comes calling from europe where he wants to be he's gone right so why are why would we be a stopgap for an unproven manager who can't i mean there's a youtube video of him defending a corner that i just like to post here because that to me is 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 the is the is is reasons one through six thousand as to why andrea perlo is not the right guy for here um you know we're it would be a step backwards. Uh, Mitch, I, what, I what are your thoughts? Sorry, Jeff, I didn't mean to cut. I no thought, thought you were wrapping up there. <laughs> Never. <laughs> um, I don't know. I, I go back and forth on it. One, I don't know. Andrea Pirlo for me was still involved in one of the most like embarrassing moments I've ever seen at BMO Field, which is where when New York City didn't sub him on that one time and the entire stadium just booed them. And it was like, this is tough. This is an away player. <laughs> like, clearly, like, I don't know, 15,000 people at that stadium had just come to see Andrea Pirlo play. Mm -hmm. And, like, the second he wasn't, that was, like, their main concern and they're heading for the exits and just disappointed. But that that's also, like, that's what you get out of Andrea Pirlo or a big name like that is just that the fact that, you know, well, one, he would attract plenty of talent. Like, players would want to come play for Andrea Pirlo. So in, in that, in the recruitment sense, I feel like it would be good. It, he would also certainly do what Toronto FC have struggled to do lately. And obviously we joked off the top that there was definitely the rain added into that, but we've seen what the stands have looked like at BMO field lately. You're getting, you're getting a significant amount of fans just because Andrea Pirlo is the manager. I know that's not how you should pick a manager, but I'm just saying those are a couple of factors that are certainly in his favor. Absolutely. Absolutely. I don't know if recruitment, I don't know if he'll be as strong a recruitment angle as you, as you think he is. Uh, I think money money talks, and 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 our money plus Pirlo would sure, be a great but, recruitment. Yeah, but, sure, but yeah. Toronto have that money. Mm -hmm. And, and have, at the end of the day, right. like this, yeah. this is a business, right? And we we're looking at it from a strictly stock soccer standpoint. 
And after a dreadful season that TFC have had, what better way to sort of, I guess, ignite a fan base, especially, you know, as many people are pointing at an Italian fan base, than bringing not only Andrea Pirlo, but also Sebastian Jamaica <laughs> back to BMO Field. I mean, if I was just as a fan, that would get me back into the seats, at least to start with, to see how, how that's going because those are two guys who i mean we talked about javinka already you know the best player who's ever played in mls best player to ever their tfc jersey and you couple that with with andrea pirlo who's obviously one of the, the the greats that's that's exciting for any casual fan i know we like to get caught up on on the internet here and, and look at t hashtag tfc live and look at what mm. everyone's saying but that's like it's like two percent of the tfc fan base if you're we're right. gonna get realistic here, right? You're like, absolutely that's, right. That's not. That's probably not the market that they're essentially just trying to target. Obviously, they want to keep everybody happy, but the, the casual TFC fan, which is really who TFC's market really is, I, I think would be really excited about that move. Now, do I think it's the right move football wise? Probably not, but business wise, I think that that can make a lot of sense. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Um, but I think Seba eclipses any need for Pirlo on the on the attracting fans standpoint so why bother doubling down that would be that would be my counter to the to the whole business I don't know if I necessarily agree there because Seba's what 30 turned to be 35 years old I think everyone knows like when when you go to BMO field it's no longer for Seba to get you on the edge of your seat at least that would be my sort of impression and take on all of it I think he's a couple years removed of of Sebastian Janinko old Mm-hmm. Um, so I think, you and know, he's also never Pirlo sat on the, on the corner of a seat in his entire life. Andrew Pirlo's <laughs> pulse has never raised above, above a standing <laughs> heartbeat yeah. ever. So, uh, we don't have to worry about that. Um, I, now I, mean, I think someone... it's, I think it's a bad move. I, I, I don't like it. I think it's a terrible idea. He cost a lot of money. And if we're willing to spend that money, there's a gentleman by the name of Bob Bradley in Los Angeles who hasn't, who hasn't signed an, uh, uh, an extension with LAFC and I would much rather drive that bag of money to his house than Andrea Perlo's. So. Yeah. yeah I, I think to Mike's point, someone used the the phrase shiny new house in the, in the comment section. I think that's fair. Like Seba's not new as much as everyone wants to see him come back. And I definitely think he would reignite a, a, a certain portion of interest. He's not new. Andrea Pirlo's new and obviously in world soccer, a much, much bigger name than Sebastian Javinko. So yeah, um, unquestionably, if you're bringing him here, it's more for the marketing side of things and more for, for that sort of thing than it is for, for the football standpoint. I think we all know his credentials are not, uh, not incredible, even if he did coach, you know, the best team in Italy, but we all saw what happened to the best team in Italy when he coached them. So um, we'll see. I mean, it's definitely, it's definitely something to watch and, uh, at least something that we got to talk about and fill some time on this show. Let's, so let, let me the- let me kind of segue for that quickly and just build yeah. off that, actually. Awesome. Um, so I asked this question earlier in the year to you guys, and it was, you know, in the offseason, this past offseason, I think we, we all agree that TFC's coaching vacancy, that was one of the more coveted positions, not only in, in MLS, but I think all of North America, if not, you know, the world. It's one of the most coveted positions, vacancies. That's, like, wide open. Um, do you think that's still the case? If, I actually, hypothetically, this position's vacant. I actually have to retract my enthusiasm for that in the preseason. I think you're right on paper, but I think the specifics of playing out of a hotel room and not knowing where their home ground was going to be. And the, the sort of 
weirdness that that kind of metastasized in 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 TFC land made it a very unattractive position. So I I, I think that well on paper it looked like something worth pursuing. I think they found out really quickly that the people that they wanted that was the the level of ambition for what they wanted to hire was fantasy land and the reality was much 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 lower than that. And if they and and if they wanted to attract guys in the mid tier they were going to have to make compromises they weren't willing to make, like give them more control of the roster point. or give them an academy director gig that they weren't willing to do. Um, so I, I think, I think that looking back with hindsight being twenty twenty, you know, just judging from the Armas hire, they <laughs> didn't get what they wanted. They didn't get what they wanted. They, they, they were scrambling. So you know that that definitely, it definitely suggests that that. Uh, that Javi's on a much, much cooler seat than the results would suggest because that they, they don't want to do it again. Um, but it also fills me with fear that they will make a hire as as binary as somebody like Andrea Pirlo because big, you know, big, big shiny and, and distraction. Um, it's, it, I don't know. I don't know. I just, uh, I think, I, I think that, that, JMO in when we asked him, and this was surprising, I'm still processing it. I think he's got the finger on the pulse of, of that room better than we do. And I think that there's a malaise in in upsetting the apple cart that we're not taking into account. You know, that could mean that Yavi stays, it could mean that that Ali stays on a very, very short leash, but it does suggest they're not willing to go into the trenches and start and start looking to replace upper level positions anymore especially in this offseason I, I definitely i definitely agree with jeff in the sense that i think we downplayed the human impact that you know playing on the road and in, in the covid situation would have on any coach and we should have seen the warning signs with what happened with thierry Henry, obviously in terms of yep, uh, that yep. situation and great shout leaving club de foot um because of you know not wanting to travel um and not wanting to spend another year or so away from his family so and i mean look let's look at our own coaching situation there's there's a chance greg vanny stays if he he mentioned that as his main factor in leaving toronto fc and i know there were several other factors but uh, there's a chance greg vanny still coach of toronto fc if they don't have to do the quarantine maybe not but it's but it's at least there's at least a chance so I, I think there's actually if Toronto FC want to go that route and bring in another coach, I think that I think the position is much more attractive now than it was actually at the start of last season, even after a Great year point. where things have been we, disappointing and that sort absolutely. of thing. Um, absolutely. I think, I think right now if if you're looking for candidates, you're getting a better level of candidate than you would one million uh, percent time, agree uh, last year. But but I do yeah. think based on our based on how we ended the season, anybody is going to come in with 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 a with a machete. Right, any new coach, you know, Armas came in with the desire to 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 make good on his tactics. A new coach coming in on the back of this season is going to say, right in the interview, I am going to be brutal. Like people are playing for their jobs in a training session because I'm not coaching a team that's going to be last in the standings next year. You're bringing me in to bring us back up, and that and these are my ideas, and 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 you know I. I'm not. I'm not out to protect anybody's feelings, which I think is something we lose if we keep Ahavi on for the next season. In that sort of same same light, there, Jeff, and just kind of built off what you guys are saying, like this is now a project that 
I think TFC or whoever comes in next, hypothetically, there is someone who comes in next. Um, that they're looking at this as an opportunity to get TFC back to the top. And you combine mm-hmm. the fact that they're going to be given a budget that's probably the best in MLS, then it, it is an opportunity because now they have something to work towards. Now they have something that actually, you know, there's they can't get much worse than they are right now. So it's only going to be seen as progress for someone new that's coming in. Whereas when they came in last season, you're exactly. trying to build off those expectations. And those exactly. expectations are are some of the best in the league. So I think, yeah, I, I see where you guys are coming from there. And it's an opportunity for any coach, really. Um, if it's not Javier Perez, then someone else to, to really advance their career. And I think that it is a very good opportunity because I think still think there are some good pieces here. Um, just quickly, I just I want to address, obviously, I'm seeing a lot of Ali Curtis banter in the chat. I want to address that quickly. And I think, Jeff, you're, you're kind of on that same page, too, where you, if correct me if I'm wrong, that you believe Ali Curtis should be should be gone. I think Ali Curtis brings something to the to the table, um, which is he wrote so many of these. He wrote or had a hand in writing so many of these roster rules. I think Ali is much better at finishing a deal than he is at player recruitment. And they should take that out of his list of chores. I think, you know, somebody better than Ali at identifying talent identifies the talent and then hands it off to Ali to get the deal over the line. I, and that's why I think there's still a place for him at TFC. Um, but I don't like his player recruitment. I don't, I know that there were extenuating circumstances this year. Uh, I don't want to, I really, really don't want to say the S word, but I will. I, I think that someone's got, I think someone has to answer for Satella. There was no, there was no real reason we had to sign him other than the fact that he was there. You know what I mean? And, and, in a, in a business environment, you have to answer for mistakes like that. Um, so I think mistakes I, definitely a strong take there. Listen, like I didn't want to, I didn't want to say it, but, but you, you asked me, so you know, even, even if you don't want to label it with a, with a, with a capital M mistake, it's still underwhelming. Somebody still has to answer for that. Um, and that leads to player recruitment because I don't want, I do not want my front office to come out with a parade of coulda, shoulda, woulda. Because that that suggests they don't know what they're talking about, right? Like, I want the coulda, shoulda, wouldas, but measured with a certain bit of humility and accountability, right? I don't want the only answer from the front office to be just wait until we until the perfect day with perfect weather where the wind is at at this at this level and we've got paws on the pitch and we've got you know him uh, Josie's back and everybody's smiling and everybody's well fed because the variables make that a moot point, right? Like I do want to hear that from the front office because it's an important point, but it can't be the be all and end all of everything. There has to be some accountability around the the recruitment and even if it's just a mea culpa like guys guys we got it we got 75 percent of this guy at, at at a flea market deep discount fire sale you know maybe he's not as good as we as we hoped but we took the chance that's that's all the humility i really i mean that 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 would be enough humility for me we don't see that all we see that is just wait and see he's going to be amazing once all of these different things are are put into place which is a non-answer right like it, it, it opens up the dialogue, but but that can't be the end of the discussion. But that's, you're you're doing that all on the basis where, yeah, yeah, again, mm. yeah. I don't want to go down this road, but you're doing that all on the basis <laughs> where you believe that Soteldo hasn't hasn't been been great this season. Where you know, obviously, I completely disagree with that, and I think he's been dealt like a completely terrible, terrible hand here. Um, look, look and, at what Ivan, look at what Yvonne's saying. If I make a mistake at work, 
I raise my hand and I don't even make nearly as much as Curtis. And that's what I'm getting at, right? Like, But he's not a mistake, though. Why would he raise think, his hand and say he's a mistake when like, it's been half a season where he's had to play with as the only designated player and link up at top with Patrick Mullins and Dom Dwyer? How can you right. outrightly say he's a mistake when he's 24 years old? But how, but anyways, but how can you outrightly say back, he's, a, he's a great player as long as, as long as he's playing with other players in a presupposed future? Where because he's, he's already a great player. I mean, he has three goals and what? Seven, eight assists this season. I, like I personally, I'm happy with what. Give him the golden boot, <laughs> especially when he's had to, you know, link up up top mm. with the players that he's been linking up with and trying to do everything himself. Um, sure. But I don't want to go down to Sotelo's road again. No, 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 no. I think we I need to give circle a back couple to more, my, a couple more months. My original but, point yeah. to, mm-hmm. to Ali Curtis, and let's look at his resume so far with TFC. I think 2019, what they he went MLS Cup final, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 2020, they were first in the Supporter Shields race with four games left to play. They finished second in the Supporter Shields race. And then obviously this season. Is it just one season where we're ready to, to a COVID riddled season that we're just ready to, to cut him? Like, that's what I'm, I'm obviously like, I get why TFC fans automatically turn to Alec Curtis and be like, okay, yeah, he's got to go. But there's so much more that, that goes into that that and this is really his first season as being the sole guy that's that's making up all the roster decisions Mm -hmm. yep and what he did this season wasn't making necessarily roster decisions it was a lack of roster decisions i think is the biggest hit for him this season because he didn't he didn't turn over the roster that's been so successful now he's seen that okay i mean and obviously if you were to do that last season People would be like, whoa, what are you doing? Why are you making yeah. such drastic changes to this exactly. roster that's been You're so good for so long? Correct. Yep. Right. And obviously, I think there's, there's, those are the two, one mistake that he's made. And the other mistake that he's made is obviously the extension of Josie Altador, which I think we can all agree. I, I mean, would have made the same mistake. It's a, it's a business decision, too, mm-hmm. right? The resigning of, of Josie Altador there. So I, I find a hard time where people are like, okay, yeah, it's, it's Ali Curtis's fault. Like, get rid of Ali Curtis. I mean, we haven't really seen what Ali Curtis can do we haven't really seen him put in an opportunity to be like okay rebuild this roster and i think that's mm. why this offseason is going to be so crucial for his tenure 100%. here at toronto fc 100%. because he's going to be tasked with not only turning over this roster but doing so quickly in a way that they can compete again next season exactly and that's not any easy task for any general manager and i think nope. if there's one gm that might be up to it 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 could be someone like ali Gertis. what a, that we, was that the, was really well said mike I, I i agree with almost all of that the thing with Curtis is we've seen him do it before too. Twenty eighteen to twenty nineteen Toronto FC, he was able to to write a ship that obviously had a pretty awful twenty eighteen season. Obviously, yep. I think it's it's probably they're probably in better shape than they are now in terms of you know some of the contracts they had going and all that sort of thing. But true. With that being said, I I, I think he definitely deserves another chance, like one more. Uh, he's on his last string. Don't don't let me get yeah yeah. Don't get me wrong. Like the ice is thin with Ali Curtis, but. I think he's done enough here where he's shown that he does have the ability to build a winning team in this league. Um, the coaching hire with him is interesting, though, because I don't think we've seen him perfectly aligned. Even though it was his guy, like we've said, it was his friend. I, I don't think we've had – I don't think he's had a coach that has been able to carry out the vision of the players that he's brought in yet. Um I think we're maybe seeing it a bit with Javi right now, but mm-hmm. that's going to be an interesting part of the part of the dynamic there. Because, you know, if, if he's on such thin ice, do you bring in a coach that maybe 
maybe if Curtis goes, can still continue things on, or do you bring on a coach that straight up is wants to play the exact way Curtis wants to play? Because there's clearly been some disconnect from the second he came in. And that's going to yeah. be a very interesting kind of lane or avenue that TFC, Bill Manning, whoever it is, are going to have to decide. Is it going to be, you know, we know Ali Curtis, he likes playing, he likes building a team that's kind of similar to the Chris Armas identity where it's, you know, really high tempo, really pressing team. And, I don't know if that's necessarily been Toronto FC's. I mean, it hasn't been Toronto FC's identity really the past Ever. like five, six yeah. years, right? Mm-hmm. So I think that's a, that's a great point. Is, is Bill Manning going to and Dally Curtis? Because I don't want to say like Ali Curtis doesn't have any say in here, but are they going to come to a, a resolution here where okay, the type of team I think with the players that we have in place, this is what we need to play. It's going to be more possession oriented, more on the ball type of players, as opposed to to players who are just physically gifted and and obviously still good players, but it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to see how TFC I guess re- retool and rebuild this off season and it's it's gonna be one to watch man like that that's exciting for me as, as a fan because um, I always like the GM side of things in terms of roster building mm-hmm. and that's I think everyone who plays like FIFA career mode or what is it football manager like I the think you guys can game. all spreadsheet ex- the game, spreadsheet yeah. game exactly you guys can all <laughs> see that that fun side of it so I think fun. there's gonna be a lot of armchair. <laughs> There's going to be a lot of armchair GMs here this season, so we'll see. We'll see what's okay, going on. Okay, our armchair GM, who do we buy out, Omar or Joe Osby? Uh, you don't have to buy out Omar. His contract's going to be expiring. Oh, I thought it's he an had... option. It's an option oh, next season. Oh, it's a team option. Okay, well, then there is no question. You buy out Josie and, you, and Omar. If they buy He's... someone out, right? Hmm. That's an if. That's an if. Hmm. hmm. Interesting. Uh, we haven't talked about uh, Can Champ, which yeah, uh, no one's talking well. about because um, it's not; it hasn't been scheduled yet. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. I mean, yeah, it's that, that's definitely a weird, uh, a weird wrinkle in all of this. Is we don't know when Toronto FC will play the next game. We do know who they'll play against Pacific, which will obviously be an interesting one given how solid Pacific has looked both in the Canadian Premier League and in the. Canadian championship so far beating cavalry, obviously in the last round after beating the Vancouver Whitecaps. Um, I mean, the, the difference here, obviously, you know, Mike was absolutely right in Toronto. See the, the difference in quality yeah. is way more. Wow. Like we have to, we have to give him credit because he was, he was absolutely on point there in terms yeah. of the, the difference. Not wor- he wasn't worried at all. Not even in the slightest. Clip that, like- tweeted out. <laughs> Mike was right. But, yeah, we'll, pro- we'll probably have to click that. Said, the the thing with Pacific, the, the the slight difference with them, one, they're just a better team. I mean, they have at least a couple, I would say, MLS caliber players on that team who agree make the step up. Guys like Caden Chung, even a Taron Campbell. Like, those are good, good players. Um, the other thing is the difference between believing and knowing you can beat an MLS team. And Pacific knows they can beat an MLS team. So especially if this game's played at Starlight Stadium, It'll be a tricky one for Toronto FC. Unquestionably, Toronto FC go into this as the heavy favorite once again, especially with what they showed against York. But it's going to be a fascinating matchup. I'm very excited that these two Me teams too. got drawn against Me each too. Other because this is the best team in the Canadian Premier League. Yeah, we still don't know where this this game is going to be played. Actually, mm-hmm. that too. Yeah, we don't know where or when. We just know yeah, we don't know where exactly. or when. Is it? It's the same for the Forge uh, CF Montreal game, which I'm also super yeah. excited about. Oh, we just lost Mitch. Yeah. Uh, uh, Anyways, yeah, that that's still being decided. I know. So essentially, what's what's supposed to happen? I think both teams are 
is what I've been told. Both teams are supposed to come to some kind of some sort of agreement, and then if an agreement can't be made, then coin essentially flip. it'll be a coin flip. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think this those meetings will probably go down sometime this week, and then we'll get uh, in a date, venue, time. Yep. Of when that that game will go down, and in my opinion, I I, I kind of see this being a closer game than than TFC I agree. York because I agree. As in your, said, uh, yeah, they're the know, best team. Would best you team prefer it at BMO, game. or do you think it would be fun to watch TFC go to go to Starlight, the Hydro Pole, Land of the Hydro? <sighs> That's like as as a TFC probably supporter, like I would say, obviously BMO Field would be more ideal. I would att- be able to attend that match, and mm-hmm. that would obviously give TFC a better chance to go on. But the Canadian soccer fan in me absolutely wants that to be played there, out on I'm the great. West Coast, and then I think that would be, as you mentioned, they're kind of like a spectacle because yep. you know, we know what happened when when Vancouver and. Um, Damn right! Here comes Mechie's back. Pacific played in that oh. game, and we we know about the stories that came from that game. And great, great. Game. I, I, that'd be. I think there'd be some similar stories uh, uh, with TFC heading there as well. But personally, uh, if I'm going to go out on a limb already, I'm, I'm going to say TFC are going to win that one again, fairly fairly comfortably. I'd say. Love it, Mike. Uh, Forge CF Montreal, which is a tie that I'm also looking forward to. Um, Another good one. I. I think Forge has an outside chance. I mean, they they they're a team made up entirely of forwards now. It's ridiculous. They only have forwards. Um, so, but I mean, Montreal, they're they're a tricky one this year. I mean, Wilfred Nancy is 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 a great 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 coach. I have tons of respect for him, and and I think it will be a really interesting tactical matchup between two very cerebral coaches, i.e., Smyrny Otis and uh, and Wilfred Nancy. So. Yeah, I know. I knew someone was gonna. I knew someone was gonna bring up Omar Brownie. Yeah, I knew someone was gonna bring up Omar. I can't. I just, I can't. I know I support Forge, but I can't. I can't cheer for that guy. I'm sorry. I can't. I mean, I'll cheer for him tonight because it's versus Independiente in the Concacaf mm-hmm. League. So that would be fun because I hope he has a celly where he pulls off his Forge jersey and has the Independiente jersey underneath. But uh, uh, yeah, I can't. I can't I can't cheer for him versus uh versus uh anybody else. <laughs> yeah. Forge is another one of those teams that's battle tested too, right? Like they Yeah. You mentioned the CONCACAF League, they've played a significant amount of games in that now. They're obviously two-time Canadian or Canadian Premier League champions as well. So like that's a team that like as much as we said about Pacific, like that's a team that also believes in themselves and has yep. the quality to back it up. I mean, on paper, they're probably the best Canadian Premier League team ever in terms of the just the experience and the quality they have. One hundred percent. Yeah, all of the all now. Of those guys now, and- if Forge beats Montreal and TFC mm-hmm. beats Pacific, can we yeah. do a double header and play the twenty twenty final and then the twenty twenty one final in one they're, day? You, you you know it's like Canada soccer, so they're going to like. Yeah, it's not even going to be two different different games. They're just going it'll to just be both. Smoke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know that's going to happen, right? If, if both these teams are in the final, they're just going to award the double championship For, to whoever. Get it? I'm calling game. Canada Soccer, and I'm saying I want two legs at the same venue. Aggregate math, so we can talk about away goals over like the fourth pint of the day, because yeah. that'll be terrific. Yeah. Uh, and an like an intermission in between, and you all have to change. You all have to move seats between mm-hmm. the two games to the the only it. thing is that game is promised to be played at Tim Hortons field. So uh, obviously not th- this year's final, but the 2020 final. So they, uh, that, that's it's only a 45 minute 
bus ride, we can all just get on shuttle buses from BMO and take it down the QEW to Tim Hortons Field. Just en masse. That'd be, <laughs> <laughs> that'd be amazing. Sir Kevin just said you need to send a fax to Canada Soccer. Which is Who has there. a fax machine? Does Kevin have a fax machine? I need to borrow your know, fax Canada machine. Soccer, Canada Soccer probably does, and they might. Yeah, that, as that reminds me of some of the, the hey. film grant offices. You still have to send. Can we faxes. can we roll an injury update? Because I think I have a. Yeah, let's one. do it. Sure. Yeah, uh, yeah just give me a second. Got to find it. Thing. Yeah, I don't even know where it is anymore. It's been so long. All right, boys, here we go. It's the Michael Singh Injury Report. Love it. Cool. Love it. So, here's what I'll say. Obviously, we have some season-ending injuries. Um, Iowa Canola, Subas Endo, Ralph Preso. Those guys are all done for, for the season. They've officially been ruled out. Josie Altador. We know now his, his surgery was actually a heel surgery. Um. And the six-week mark for his injury, because the team put out a press release back on August 19th, and they said he'd be out for, for up to six weeks. And that six-week mark is actually next Thursday. So keep an eye out, because Javier Perez told us that if he were to guess, and this was that was without speaking to the medical staff, Josie Alta would be back after this international break that's coming up. Damn. So we'll see if that actually plays out to fruition. Now, when the first surgery first happened... I've, I was told that you know it's it's unlikely that Josie Altador plays again this season, um, but we'll see we'll see how this kind of plays out because I was before TFC said up to six weeks, so we'll see what happens there. Um, moving along here, you have Jordan Peruza, who you know lower back injury, he he's ruled out Such for the head of this time. match. Yeah, seriously, because uh, Dom Dwyer is also ruled out for this match with a lower body injury. Chris Mavinga also ruled out for this match. We, we saw he had suffered like an Achilles or calf injury, whatever that was. And Eric Zavaleta also ruled out for this match. Wow. Um, so there's some death pieces. I will say, you know, Pozuelo, I believe, was actually ruled out for this match, but he's listed as questionable, which makes me believe that he is actually getting closer to a return as opposed to being shut down, as sort of John Molinaro alluded to at the beginning of the show. Fair. Um, but that's that's probably the longest injury report we've had since. Yeah, since Armis. Like, yeah, Armis yeah is, since uh, Armis Ball Z. Twenty-five yep, yep. out of ten. His uh, boot camp. Pilates with Chris ago. Armis. Two men yeah. enter, zero men leave. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's bad. That's a bad injury yeah, report. Yeah, actually, mm-hmm. John Molinaro saying that Perez says Pozuelo will in fact be out tomorrow but that he could play some minutes on the weekend for Chicago. Like for the Chicago, did we trade him? We traded him to Chicago Fire? We we max-a-rooted him. We just left him in the away dressing (laughs) (laughs) I did say for Chicago, didn't I? No, you said for Chicago Fire. I I don't know. Uh, I think whatever, yeah. It's all right. I'm going to jump on all of those grammar things because that's what I do. Uh, uh, We were going to talk about FIFA ratings, but I mean, eh. I don't know if that's the greatest audio. Uh, audio. Here's the here's the main takeaway. Almost every Toronto FC player got downgraded this season. Yeah, <laughs> uh, some of them got downgraded more than others. Let me let me pull up the. I have a couple that that really did. Um, biggest uh, JMO dropped four. 
from a 70 to a 66. Dom Dwyer dropped four from a 68 to a 64. Michael Bradley, Westbrook, and Gallardo all dropped three, which I think is is fair enough considering we don't even know if Erickson Gallardo plays soccer anymore. uh, (laughs) The the boys who got the boost, all the Canadians, uh, which is nice to see Io going from a 59 to a 66. Richie from a 67 to a 71. And uh, Oso is now a 72, up from a 70. So, uh, the big boost, I think Canada, Canada has been terrible to play with for like several years in FIFA, but this year they might actually be some fun, which is, but we don't have nice our, our, our keeper. There's no, there's no Milan. He's, he doesn't exist on FIFA. You would have to create him. Uh, <laughs> yeah. They don't have the rights to his league. No, we might see him. We won't see him in uh, ultimate team, but we might see him as like a, like if you're playing in other modes as a, uh, as a usable, usable player, just cause, uh, Sometimes they do that with national team guys. They did that with Gallardo last year, even though True uh, enough. he wasn't in FIFA for some reason. True enough. My know. my one my big takeaway is why is there an American flag on Westberg's card? Shouldn't it be a French flag? No, he's he's actually an American youth national team player. Mm-hmm. Huh. He, you learn something think, new every day. <laughs> I don't know if he was born here, but he definitely has American citizenship. Weird. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because yep, I had to go. I had to look like three times for him because I was looking for the French flag and I couldn't find him. So <laughs> and then I found him right beside Bones. He's uh two points lower than Bones, sixty-six to a sixty-eight. Yeehaw. Cool. So cool. TFC this week. We got FC Cincinnati on Wednesday, and mm-hmm. then we got the Chicago Fire on Sunday. Which nice. if this was any sort of meaningful games, like we'd be really excited because TFC have an opportunity to pick up points, but they're not it's they're not and it's and just uh <laughs> but it is an opportunity to keep their streak going you know at yep. least they've been, we can obviously say they've been playing some good football of late um or at least better football of late and that's without some some key crucial pieces i mean last match they were missing iowa canola josie altador michael bradley alejandro pozuelo mavinga went down injured like the list goes on and on and on but they still yep. managed to really you know play it play a uh, their game plan to perfection against Colorado and mm-hmm. come away with that nil-nil draw against a team that's really unbeaten in their last 10 games or now 11 games. So, I mean, that was a, a great result there on the road. And now it's four straight matches where they've they've done that. So let, let's see what happens here as, as they head into two games they should win. What I will say quickly about FC Cincinnati is FC Cincinnati in their last 17 games, by the way, they have a new head coach now, but in their last 17 <laughs> games, they have two wins. Both of those both wins? Against Toronto FC? Both against Toronto FC. FC. <laughs> they could win. They've already won the season <laughs> series against TFC. Oh they are, they're already there. Um, but if they win... The other, if they, the, the other Trillium Cup. Do they get the Trillium Cup now? No, they get the Hell is Trillium Cup. Uh, uh, right, yeah. If, uh, if, uh, if they beat us tomorrow, then we're tied in the all-time record. It was it's three-two for TFC right now, and it'll be three-three split as, as opposed to four-two. So, yeehaw! So a lot. So there is a lot to play for them in terms of <laughs> long-term pride here. I think. Yeah, yeah. True enough. True enough. All right, all right, boys. Yeah, let's uh, let's blow the full-time whistle there. Thanks again, John Molinaro. Be sure to go check out all his great work at TFC Republic. Uh, really is must-read and watch content for Toronto FC fans. He's promised you'll see our familiar faces over there. So make sure to go uh, <laughs> go check that out and re-watch the show there. Um, also make sure to check out our new MLS Predictions League we are doing with our friends over at the Parlay. 
Um, we'll give you some expert or not so expert picks on uh, some marquee matchups from around the league each week. So looking forward to, to that again. And uh, as always, we really do appreciate all the feedback, questions, comments we receive during the show. They really help us uh, structure this show and, and think about things that maybe we, we forgot or, or, you know, brushed over. So uh, they're always very helpful. And we do see all of them, even if we, we don't acknowledge all of them all the time, because there are a yeah. lot. But uh, I'm, not, I'm not bringing up any of the ones that slag Mullins. I'm just telling you that right off the hop. <laughs> yeah. like you, can, you can write it and I'll, yeah. I'll look at it, but it's not ever coming yeah. up on the show. So every week we're sure to get at least one person asking about Erickson Gallardo. So we do see all of those, uh, even if we don't, uh, we don't always think it's like the most. <laughs> well, I mean, we don't know. What, what, no one knows. We also yeah. don't know what, what in the world is Erickson Gallardo. <laughs> Other than, than in the press box with Alejandro yeah. Pozuelo. But uh, yeah, of course, we'll, we'll be ramping up our Canada coverage again next week as things get, uh, get critical for the national mm-hmm. team once again. And we're definitely looking forward to that on the show. But until then, on behalf of Jeffrey Pinesker, Michael Singh, I'm Mitchell Tierney. Until next Tuesday. Oh, man, did I ever screw up being able to <laughs> get this stupid video? Here do, we go. Do, do. All right, bye. <laughs>